Whilst the rest of the world worries about the decline in bees and the impact on food production, Slovenia has succeeded in reversing the trend over the past few years. Today, the country has become a veritable paradise for the yellow and black insects, cared for by more than 11,000 passionate beekeepers like Andreja Stankovic. As well as looking after the queens and their colonies, she teaches others the ins and outs of beekeeping and the secrets of the Slovenian model. Welcome to Meanings of Cohesion, a podcast exploring the impact of the EU's cohesion policy on our lives. In today's episode, the impact of the European Union's cohesion policy in Eastern Slovenia. My name is Alexander Damianorici. So, in this podcast, you listen to a reportage story from Pomurce, a region in the northeast of Slovenia, a conversation between me and the editor-in-chief of Bubble International NGO, Quentin Aries, about the other projects funded by the EU cohesion funds in eastern Slovenia. Talk to you after the reportage. Slovenia in bee heaven by Martina Zoldos. Whilst the rest of the world worries about the decline in bees and the impact on food production, Slovenia has succeeded in reversing the trend over the past few years. Today the country has become a veritable paradise for the yellow and black insects, cared for by more than 11,000 passionate beekeepers like Andreja Stankovic. As well as looking after the queens and their colonies, she teaches others the ins and outs of beekeeping and the secrets of the Slovenian model. Andrea Sankovic opens the hive, takes out the honeycomb and carefully searches out the queen. Spotting her blue dotted abdomen, Andrea softly pushes away the other dancing workers, picks up the queen with two fingers, gives her a little twirl for everyone to admire, and then gently kisses the tiny insect on the head. A few decades ago, there was a moment when she almost gave up on beekeeping. One night, a woman with a mental illness closed all the hives. When I went to see them in the morning, all the bees, except for a single colony, were dead, she explains. Heartbroken, she took the surviving bees to her balcony at home and refused to expand the activity until her father-in-law gave her three new colonies of bees as a birthday present. That's how I started beekeeping again, she says. Today, she can't imagine her life without the bees. Andrea is one of 11,349 beekeepers in Slovenia, taking care of around 200,000 bee colonies. The number of beekeepers and honeybees in Slovenia has been steadily rising and has now finally reached maximum capacity. Natural food in the environment is limited and more bees would increase the risk of faster transmission of bee diseases. Years ago, experts estimated that the optimal number of bee colonies in the country is between 170,000 and 220,000. So we're somewhere around the optimal number, says Bostian Notch, president of the Slovenian Beekeepers' Organization. However, just over a decade ago, things didn't look so bright. 
In the spring of 2011, the communication center in Pomurje, a predominantly agricultural region in the northeast of Slovenia, received a notification from several beekeepers about the death of thousands of bee colonies. The analysis confirmed the insecticide clothianidin used to treat corn seeds was to blame for the deaths. Soon after, the Ministry of Agriculture issued a regulation banning the use of clothianidin and other neonicotinoids, making Slovenia one of the first EU countries to adopt such a measure to protect bees. Notch, who started beekeeping at 13 years old with five colonies, affirms that it was the right decision. We haven't seen a massacre like that since. Pesticide use is among the three biggest drivers of pollinator decline in most parts of the world, warns the UN Food and Agriculture Organization. In the document titled Protecting Pollinators from Pesticides, Urgent Need for Action, the FAO described how overspraying and ingestion of contaminated pollen and nectar can result in the direct mortality of the insects but also adverse sublethal effects such as impaired foraging, reduced brood success or perturbed homing ability, naming bees as particularly vulnerable. Bees and other pollinators play a key role in our food production. 75% of the crops human use for food depend on pollinators. This year's World Bee Day, celebrated on the 20th of May and created by the United Nations at the initiative of Slovenia a few years ago, was thus focused on the promotion of pollinator-friendly agricultural production. Bostian Notch, who now owns about 500 colonies, is convinced that the application of phytopharmaceuticals in food production is to some extent necessary but they must be used according to the manufacturer's instructions in the evening when the bees are already in the hives, he adds. According to this passionate and ambitious beekeeper, the key to success is in raising awareness and collaboration between beekeepers, farmers and other users of phytopharmaceuticals. He believes Slovenia has succeeded in solving the problem very well, so we can be an example to the world, the 49-year-old president proudly says. At the end of every March, with the beginning of the spraying season, the Slovenian Beekeepers Association and the Ministry of Agriculture implement a number of measures targeted at the general population as well as professionals. They organize a nationwide media campaign, distribute posters and inform all stores selling such products that they have to warn customers about their correct use either early in the morning or late in the evening when the bees are no longer grazing. Andrea says that her relationship with the neighbors and the farmers is exemplary. All my neighbors have always been very considerate of my bees, except for one. He always sprayed his orchard during the day when the bees were visiting the flowers, she remembers. When she refused to give him the honey, he was surprised. I told him his conduct would not only kill the bees, but also leave him without any fruit, because the trees will be left unpollinated. He quickly changed his attitude. Andrea confirms, adding that more and more people have been switching to ecological gardening and farming after visiting her apiary and being in direct contact with the insects. Notch confirms, if I were a bee, I would want to live in Slovenia. Andrea Stankovic is the fifth generation of beekeepers in her family. She became a beekeeper overnight when she was still a university student. 
When my father suddenly died, he left 50 bee colonies. Everybody wanted to buy them, but my mother and I decided to keep them and do our best in taking care of them, she says. Despite her love for animals and the rudimentary knowledge she acquired from accompanying her father in harvesting honey, the challenge seemed overwhelming. I was lucky it happened in November, so I had a whole winter to study. In the spring, the bees flew out of the apiary and all of them survived, she explains, remembering the beginnings of her profession. When this happened in 1982, she was the youngest beekeeper around. Since then, interest in beekeeping amongst young people has significantly increased. Over the last few years, the average age of beekeepers in Slovenia has been continually decreasing. A fact that Bostia Noc attributes to the country's unique system of beekeeping classes, carried out by beekeepers from regional and municipal beekeeping clubs in educational apiaries set up in the vicinity of primary schools. According to Notch's information, Slovenia has around 200 beekeeping school clubs, which means more than a quarter of primary schools have a beehive set up in the playground. The interest among the youth is great. There are 2,500 children voluntarily attending these classes, says Notch. Andrea and her daughter, Tiasa Medrada Stankovic, who is also a beekeeper, have been passing on their knowledge to younger generations in Novo Mesto, their hometown in southeast Slovenia. Since the town's schools don't have apiaries, children learn about the role and the importance of bees in their own apiary, situated at the edge of the forest. There they help harvest the honey, learn how the bee dances to show the rest of the hive where the pasture is rich in pollen, create artwork related to bees and build small bee hotels. Tiasha is convinced it was written in her genes that she would become a beekeeper. As a child, she often accompanied her mother in taking care of the bees, which she considered pets. Over the years, her love of bees and nature grew so she decided to follow her mother's footsteps and become a beekeeper. During the holidays, she organizes summer camps, during which at least one day is dedicated to the bees. This year, children will spend one night in the apiary. When parents come to pick them up the next day, the kids will share freshly acquired knowledge with the grown-ups, explains Tiasha with enthusiasm. They also learn about consideration and respect. The majority of food comes to our table through pollinators, so it's important to teach children about it, Andrea says, looking at the portrait of her ancestors on the wall. Due to the fact that the apiary is somewhat far from the town and is becoming a little too crowded, Andrea and Tiasha are building a new, larger one right on the outskirts of Novo Mesto. When finished, it will not only receive children, but everyone who is interested in the bees. Even now, while it's still under construction, people stop by every day. Recently, we got a visit from the students of Third Age University, while people with mental and physical disabilities from the Care and Work Center frequently come by to make honeycomb frames, string combs or harvest the honey, Andrea says while walking around her property. For people who would like to become more professionally involved in beekeeping, the Slovenian Beekeepers Association offers numerous educational and training workshops. According to its president, it organizes at least five 40-hour beekeeping courses for beginners every year. 
as well as many other targeted seminars, such as courses on natural pest control and courses on apitherapy. Most of them are free of charge, he adds. Notch is convinced that no other country in the world has such a strong educational system at all levels. Despite the high popularity of beekeeping in the country, honey yields, on the other hand, are very low. Data provided by Notch confirms that while the number of beekeepers and bees has been on the rise, the number of colonies per beekeeper has been decreasing, suggesting apiculture is turning into a hobby, where the profit from the sale of honey is less important. According to Bostian Notch's figures, the average Slovenian beekeeper owns 17 bee colonies, with which he or she produces 15 kilograms of honey per beehive in a good season. While in some countries this number can reach 150 kg. Andrea says that Slovenians don't keep bees for the honey, but rather for the love of bees. However, Slovenians do have other benefits from the buzzing insects. As soon as she stepped into the apiary, Tiasha grabbed a plastic mask connected to the hives by a tube put it on her mouth and lay down on the bed. On one side, she could see the greenery of the meadow and the forest. On the other, bees danced tirelessly behind the glass wall. Beneath her, she felt the buzzing of bees, giving off relaxing vibrations. I've been a bit ill with the lung infection, so I really needed to inhale some of those healing aerosols, she explained. When she decided to become an official beekeeper, she engaged in it with the desire to do something differently. She decided to focus on apitherapy and honey massage. After completing both a beekeeping course and a classic massage course, she is now preparing to obtain a national professional qualification certificate as an apitherapist. Apitherapy is the ancient practice of using honeybee products for medicinal purposes that we've all been applying by consuming honey, propolis and royal jelly. Recently, other types of apitherapy have been gaining popularity in Slovenia. Inhaling air that is rich in pollen and other substances that bees collect in nature and mix in the hive. Lying on a bed above the hives, therapy with bee stings and honey massages. These practices boost not only physical, but also mental health, the beekeepers claim. The traditional Slovenian apiary, a wooden building where the beehives are stored under the roof and which is large enough for the beekeeper to enter, is according to our interlocutors particularly suitable for this type of therapy. Andrea recalls how years ago her grandfather had a divan placed in the apiary where he used to relax after Sunday mass. Back then it wasn't called apitherapy, but the effects were the same. In the following decades, beekeepers along with Andrea have modernized the interior of the apiary, making it more effective, comfortable and accessible to other visitors. Ten years ago, Andrea built her apiary with the help of funds from the European Union. The two-year project that united Andrea, the local beekeeping association and the agricultural school in Novo Mesto cost around 65,000 euro and around 85% of this amount was funded by the EU's Agricultural Fund for Rural Development under a project leader program. Thanks to this support, 
Andrea designed her apiary in such a way so that as many people as possible could benefit from it in as many different ways as possible. In addition to the construction of an apiary, the group organized workshops on apitherapy for beekeepers and spas, a natural history day for children, workshops on the preparation of honey dishes for students of catering and tourism schools, and the production of leaflets and postcards for the promotion of apitherapy and other activities for the general public. The wooden construction is a home for the bees, a place for children to learn about the importance of pollinators, a place for patients with asthma and allergies to treat their respiratory problems with aromatherapy and inhalation, and where other visitors come for Tiasha's honey massages. Sometimes the effects of nature prevail over all human efforts. Andrea Stankovic and Bostian Notch agree that this year has been extremely difficult for the bees. Constant rain during April and most of May washed off all the pollen, leaving the animals hungry. Andrea emphasizes the seriousness of the situation. Until now, in my more than 40-year-long beekeeping career, there hasn't been a single year where we haven't harvested honey by June at least once. This year so far, she hasn't harvested a drop. For Notch, climate change with sudden bouts of cold air and long periods of rain possess the biggest threat to the bees. Scientists argue that increasing crop diversity and habitat conservation is one way of promoting biodiversity and mitigating climate change. In practice, this means planting honey plants and keeping the fields and meadows blooming. April is the month when the fields in Slovenia turn yellow. The flowers of the rapeseed used to produce oil invigorate the landscape, slowly awakening after a long grey winter. In the following months, corn, barley, wheat, oat and rye offer swaths of green fields. However, in August, when most of the crops have been harvested, the fields become empty, brown and lifeless again, leaving little pasture for the pollinators. To change this in 2014, the Beekeepers Association of Slovenia, together with many partners from the field of agriculture, launched the Car Sejemo do Janjemo project. We reap what we sow, which promoted the planting of honey-bearing types of buckwheat, a local undemanding plant that grows well on infertile soils, is resistant to drought and doesn't require pesticides. Planting buckwheat benefits both the bees who get food and the farmers who can earn extra money with the crop, not insists. Now in August, carpets of small white flowers again attract bees producing dark, aromatic and highly valued buckwheat honey. According to the data from the Statistical Office of the Republic of Slovenia, the area of buckwheat in the country more than doubled between 2014 and 2022. Although Andrea's main activity is in farming, she joined the movement and also planted buckwheat in 2014, and she will do the same again this year. The road to the old apiary leads through a forest then suddenly ends in front of an immense meadow. Driving becomes difficult as the grass reaches at least halfway up the car. Andrea and her neighbors intentionally leave the grass unmowed so the pollinators can graze on flowering plants. She and other beekeepers have been urging farmers and other actors to mow their lawns late when the flowers have already bloomed. 
Some Slovenian municipalities have already responded to these calls by mowing public areas less often. The European Union has also been addressing the problem by subsidizing farmers for the late harvest. Andrea created a green oasis just outside the new apiary she affectionately named the Honey Garden. She slowly walks among the hundreds of plants, gently caressing the leaves and colorful flowers that attract the bees, butterflies and other insects. Some of the plants are already in full bloom, while others are barely forming the buds. Many of them are medicinal, some are also poisonous, but all of them flower profusely in different seasons, providing the bees with rich pasture throughout most of the year. While explaining the healing effect of individual flowers, she playfully encloses a loud bumblebee in a huge purple flower and after a few seconds sets him free. The garden doesn't only attract pollinators, but also people who stop by while hiking along the nearby Kirka River, she says. During these meetings with passers-by who take pictures and admire the richness of colors and smells, Andrea always tells them, even if you only have a small balcony, you should plant honey plants for the bees. As for her, she will keep on building her new apiary, plant medicinal flowers and take care of the bees with the same optimism and joy. And now, as usual, it's time for our chat with Quentin Aries from Bubble International NGO and Arab.eu. Quentin, how are you? Hi, Alex, and welcome back, everyone. So this time we traveled to Slovenia and we had this beautiful reportage about bees. But I think it was a really peculiar story and reportage which helped us understand the impact of EU cohesion policies on nature and biodiversity and obviously also on the economy to a certain extent, of course. What else, as usual, my question for you is what else is happening in Slovenia thanks to EU cohesion funds? Yeah, just for this story, like we went to the eastern side of Slovenia. Slovenia is rather like a small country in size, but very big on impact, as we can see on the bees. What I think can be super interesting is just like the second biggest city of Slovenia, which is Maribor, and you should definitely go there next time. How, you know, like they managed to use like EU funding really like targeted towards the youth and towards the students. So, for example, it is like over the recent years, like a EU cohesion policy, like funded like the construction and renovation of a skate park. They also try to renovate youth centers like hostels and other activities on how you know we can really actually even attract young people into this region of Slovenia. So I thought it was super interesting to see like how universities and youth policy are also benefiting from the EU cohesion policy in this regard. So as usual and also in this episode I'd like to ask you if we have to focus on one project or one concrete example, what would that be in the case of Slovenia? This is actually a super cool project because it was the first time the EU was actually doing this. Maybe you are familiar, Alex, with the concept of uh, quantum physics and uh, supercomputers. Of course. Of course. Uh, and, uh, and for example, the University of Maribor like, always has been really one of the top-notch universities regarding those kind of physics and quantum physics. And actually, like uh, the cohesion policy has helped the University of Maribor to even like uh, build like, one of the first EU supercomputers. I think it was super interesting because it meant also like even 
like countries like Slovenia, where actually we oversaw some people, it can be a challenge even to put on a map or even and so on to say, okay, like they have like excellent solution centers, which are actually getting receiving a lot of funding for the EU. And this supercomputer, this Vega supercomputer is going to be used by basically everyone. It's not only for Slovenians. So it's going to be very interesting to see researchers from all across Europe going to the Maribor University and just to produce some innovation or innovations with this computer and other technological facilities. So I thought, you know, it was some kind of a very interesting uh, project just to spotlight. Absolutely. Thanks again. I mean, we're learning a lot in these little interviews with you. Absolutely. Quantum physics. Who would have thought, honestly? So um, thank you, Quentin. Thank you. See you around. And this is it for this episode of Meanings of Cohesion, a podcast exploring the impact of the EU's cohesion policy on our lives. This podcast is part of Europod, a podcast network home to captivating stories from across Europe and quality information on the most pressing issues of our time. Meanings of Cohesion is a collaboration between Europod and Arab.eu, which publishes long-form reportage stories from across Europe in English, French and Italian. The reportage story you listened to was published on Arab.eu, where you can also find beautiful accompanying shots. This podcast is produced as part of Utopia, a project financed by the European Commission, which aims at raising awareness of the concrete benefits offered by cohesion policy in Europe. Utopia is a project led by the Assembly of the Regions and Bubble International, an NGO based in Paris. The producer, host and scriptwriter of this podcast is me, Alexander Damianorici. Reportage stories are read and brought to you by Gail Rego. Mixing, editing and mastering by Jeremy Bocquet. Original soundtrack by Thomas Kosberg. 